Hey, bitches. Are you miserable? I am. (laughs) Well, great, because we're back with another episode. Episode. Another episode of Misery Manor. I'm Cody. I'm Emily. This is nine, baby. This is episode number nine, so just make sure you leave your manners at the door. We've got some new equipment. We did. We're filling our oats because hopefully it sounds a lot clearer. We've been trying to play with this equipment forever. And finally, we literally were like, no, we can fucking do this shit. Stop relying (laughs) on everybody else to do your shit for you. And Emily, bless her heart, she sat down. She figured it out. And here we are. We have new mics. We have new equipment. We have headsets. So we are ready to motherfucking roll. Yes, and I just want to point out that Cody has this bomb, like... Jacket on. Yeah, but what kind of jacket is a that? A peacoat. You have a peacoat, but he has on booty shorts. Some, well, they're workout shorts. Somebody at work today called it a topper coat. Like, something that you would wear on top of stuff, I guess. Don't most coats you wear on top of things? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, never I mind. I'll ask you No, later. I don't know who it was. Just someone oh. that I was walking out. I was like, thanks for That's that, great. but hey... A compliment's a compliment, and I'll take it. Okay, I forgot to tell you that yesterday, the fire alarm went off at work. Oh, I heard. I got an email. My God. I wasn't there when it went off. Well, it was a disaster, because on every floor at work, we have, or in departments, we have fire marshals, and ours wasn't there, because it's S, and S wasn't there. Oh, okay. So, I had to be the the. The fire marshal. Yeah. Probably because they looked at that fire caught chair of yours, and was like, fire with fire. Yeah, Probably. Probably so. Have you ever heard the term fire crotch? Yes, Cody, I have. (laughs) Someone, the first time I heard it was when, like, a paparazzi person called uh, Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I was like, they're not calling you. No, they're not. They called her a fire crotch? They called her a fire crotch, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really rude, but I had to look it up. And what did I have to text you the other day to ask you what it meant? Oh, my. Raw dog. (laughs) I don't think we should say that on here, but yeah, she was like, what does raw dog mean? I'm like, honey. Oh, Lord Jesus. Because I was like, I just like heard it and I was like, you know, I was just going to use it kind of like I use ratchet. Like, yeah, we're going to raw dog it. And you're like, please Oh, don't. people do say that. That just means like you're going into it with like balls to the wall, basically. Like you're just going in there and you're just. So I can raw dog things. Yeah. So we raw dog this equipment, basically. Yeah. We raw dog the first two episodes. That's for fucking sure. Um, but anyways, we are on episode, this is going to be episode nine. Technically it's episode 10, but since we were doing the misery or the manner moments where we read the stories, that's like its own little segment. So that was manner moments, episode one. And then anything that we do with research is going to be the actual like episode one, two, three, whatever. So this is going to show up as episode nine. Right. And, um, Still keep writing your emails in to miserymanorpodcast at gmail.com. I got a lot of good feedback from those. Did you really? Yeah, like, oh my God. People were like, oh, that was so fun. Like, I love listening to it. And also, like, to keep in mind is like, 
some of our segments are really long and like I know like Josh and like other people are like you know love the stories but you know if you're working you kind of have to pause it throughout so I think people like the fact that it was 30 minutes you know that's easily your drive into work or like 30 minutes you can knock out like over your lunch break and stuff but some of the longer ones it's kind of like you have to like you have to like be on a project right exactly so I think it was just kind of a cute little snippet to throw out there so yeah definitely keep them coming we got some more um so we're gonna just keep doing them as long as we have the content to be able to read to you so right send it to us please I I know my cousin texted me after she listened to it and she was like the one about the dorm oh my god that's literally what everyone's oh my god my cousin was like first night I would have been gone oh yeah she was like uh no sorry no the minute I heard a footstep I was like it's either the fat bitch on the floor above me or it's a fucking (laughs) I actually probably wouldn't have thought it was a ghost until they pulled my sheets off that but that was her second night when yeah. she was in the other room. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let it be known for any fucking spirits <laughs> that are hearing me right now, don't you fucking dare. Oh my god. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any news or anything. I actually do. Oh god. So I actually heard this while I was getting my hair cut last night and people listen to this story. This is like a weird, scary situation, but there was this girl in Manhattan. Did you hear about this with the lift? And she left her friend's house at, like, she was kind of anxious in the middle of the night. Like, she woke up and she was like, oh, my God, like, I can't spend the night here tonight. I have work tomorrow. I need to get home home and, like, get my shit together. Okay. And so she left at, like, I think it was around 1 o'clock in the morning. And she, he was like, hey, no, like, I'll drive you home. Like, are you sure? And she was like, no, 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 like, you go to sleep. Like, I, I don't live very far. You know, it's Manhattan. Like, everything's pretty close. And she didn't live very far. So her lift picks her up and she gets in the car and he like pulls over and he, she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, he said like, oh, nothing or something. And, um, Mm. and he sees her looking at her. He's, she sees him looking at her through the rearview mirror and all of a sudden this white van pulls up. So she gets out of the car and like runs down this aisle, like the alleyway. They're like chasing her. She like takes a turn. She like hides behind this mound of snow and like a jeep and like they like lose her but she was like oh my god they were gonna fucking like kidnap me like sell me to sex trafficking and she reached out to lyft they didn't offer her an (gasps) apology they don't have license plate on the app so they don't know how to track him all she has is like the photo from his little icon thing you know that yeah upload their photo but that's it so like it's going viral people are like we need to find this fucking person like get him off like people are mad they're like wait you know way to screen your drivers and shit like that so people and Curated with um, Lyft. Well, I'm wondering too, like, do you think someone like hacked their system and did it? Mm. How do you not have someone's license plate? I don't know. I don't know. I've never used Lyft, so maybe it was just like the app itself. I, I that's the only one I've personally used yeah. myself. Yeah. So that's scary, but, you know, just be careful out there. Well, I won't be using it anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I don't think I have any news. Uh, oh, little Nikki is having surgery on Monday. Just Tell people t- what little Nikki is. Cause some people ask me, they think it's a cat. Oh, uh, little Nikki is a Holland lot bunny. He's, um, uh, he's like five months. So he's going to go have his like neuter surgery on Monday. Um, and he should behave better after that. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, you're taking his balls away. What else does he have to live for? Not much. I know. So we'll we'll keep you updated with the balls, baby. The balls, honey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get into it? Yes, Let's I do. Okay. All right. So um, 
this case, most people know it's kind of a hometown for us because it takes place in Texas. Um, I read the book twice. And I know I told you that a million times, but I just want people to know that I literally read the book twice. I read it. Well, what book is it? I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, anyway, it's mind boggling to me that this is still unsolved so many years later because it does involve like underage kids. That is just my theme on here. I don't know why. I think it just well, is so wild to me yeah. that um, that I just draw well, to it for well, some it's, reason. It's easy to get like a child. They can't really fight back. They don't yes. know enough to like protect yes. themselves. So Exactly. So that's why the theories for this can go on and on, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so many speculations. Um, anyway, and the pa- this past December marks the 30th anniversary of the Austin Yogurt Shop murders. And that's what I'm doing today. The Austin Yogurt Shop Murders? Yes. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. Thank God. Okay. So this is going to be exciting. But you somehow pull these cases up from the gutter. I'm like, what the fuck? Where did you find this bitch? Well, I found the book. I think my sister must have read it. And she was like, here, read it. So I did. Um, Anyway. Okay. So um, the Austin Yogurt Shop Murders or the murders of Amy Ayers, 13, Eliza Thomas, 17, Sarah Harbison, 15, and Jennifer Harbison, 17. Um, Yes, Jennifer and Sarah are sisters. So um, the mention of yogurt shop in Austin, Texas has a different meaning than it does anywhere else because most of the people in Austin know this story, the gruesome details, and most likely have their own theory on what happened the night of December 6, 1991. So you ready? Sure. 1991? That's when I was born. I know. You were just a little babe because... Wait, when was it? December 6th. So I was like, you were like a, couple a month and a half. Yeah. yeah, you were a little vibe. Okay, so all right, so this is where it begins. Sarah Harbison and her friend Amy Ayers. So those are the younger of the two, fifteen and thirteen years old. Um, they hey, were what? Hate that last name. Ayers. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. I know, and it is like in the book she pronounces it Ayers, but I don't know if it's like Ayers, but it's A Y E R S, and I think I refer to her more as Amy as it mm-hmm. goes through. So yeah. Reminds me of that song, in the air, air, Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. That Um, was high school. Hopefully nothing happened bad to her. Oh, yeah, she's, oh, shit. Okay. Well, They um, all died. So, um, (laughs) anyway, Amy and Sarah were friends, and they were both hanging out at North Cross Mall on the night of December 6, 1991. This night was special because it was the first time for both of the girls to be at the mall alone without any supervision. Um, they were wasting time until Sarah's sister, Jennifer, and then her friend, Eliza, were finished with their shift at I Can't Believe It's Yogurt, uh, which I'm going to refer to as the yogurt shop or ICBY. So um, that was like a big thing in the 90s. Like, I think I've heard of that. Well, I mean, there's like TCBY. But like oh. yogurt in the 90s was like this huge thing. They were like, it's like ice cream, but it's like there's a Seinfeld episode about it. And anyway. uh, it reminds me of like old mil- uh, cow titty milk. Just like ugh. frozen yogurt's so good. I don't know something about cow tit milk. I mean, no. Oh my god. Okay, so Jennifer and Eliza, <laughs> they were both seventeen. They worked at the yogurt shop, and they were also friends, which is so high school because my friend Kelly and I both worked together for a catering business in high school, and it was something else. Yeah. But um, it was a lot of fun, and we got paid under the table and stuff. And anyway. Mm-hmm. I just imagine, like, so when I read the story, I just think of the two girls, kind of like how my best friend and I were in high yeah. school. 
Um, so because the North Cross Mall was just a few blocks away, Amy and Sarah decided to just meet Jennifer and Eliza at the yogurt shop a little after 10 p.m. Um, the yogurt shop closed at 11, so the girls just figured they would hang out, help their friends close up the shop, and then they could, you know, go on with their plans. They were going to have a sleepover that night. Um, just a short time later, Officer Troy Gay noticed... Oh my God, these last names. I know, okay. Gay, poor baby. Well, I know, we only talk about him this one time. He noticed smoke coming from the strip mall and called it in just before midnight. So, I can't believe it's not yogurt, is in a strip center. Um, You look so uncomfortable in this James Bond coat. Get going. Okay, so I'm going to describe the crime scene at trigger warning for that. Um, I don't know if I have it in here, but I am going to put a picture of... um, the map, it's like a layout of the yogurt shop and kind of like where everybody's body was. Okay. Um, and, okay, the crime scene. Um, this is like the most infamous part of the case because it is so gruesome, so wild, just beyond. Okay, so on that night, sometime around midnight, um, firefighters were called to a fire at Hillside Strip Mall in Northwest Austin. After dumping hundreds of gallons of water on the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt shop, firefighters found the burned bodies of four young girls. The girls were found naked, bound, and gagged with their own clothing and shot in the head. Each of the girls' legs were spread wide open and an ice cream scoop was placed between one of their legs. <laughs> Cody, stop. I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I... I'm sorry. I hate you so much. Is our fucking food here, bitch? I don't want to talk about food now that they have a scoop between them. It was only one. So, all their bodies were burned so badly that the girls were almost beyond recognition. There were, um... Cody! (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you going to be okay? Yes. For those of you who think I'm being... He's I, not, I laugh he's when not. I'm uncomfortable. Though that and thought is horrible. Usually you, you you do have wine to calm you and you don't tonight, so you're yeah. a little giggly. So That's true. Are you Continue. gonna be okay? No, I'm good. Yes. Okay. Um three were burned so badly that their bodies melted into the scene around them. I've never understood this, so I looked up a description of what this means. It's known as the wick effect. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for people that don't know, which according to Wikipedia, is when a person has kept aflame through their own fats after being ignited accidentally or otherwise. The clothed human body acts like an inside-out candle, which the fuel source, human fat, inside, and the wick, the clothing of the victim, Outside. So, for example, like the wax of a candle would be the fat of a human, but melted. Yeah, if right. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I got it. So mm-hmm. people, I mean, you already knew what it meant, but anyway. No, but that was a good description. You told me more than I knew, so. I just can't. And so keep in mind they were stacked as well. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just kind of feeling each other. Yeah. Um, in the book, their legs are described as like the skin parting side to side, almost like being flayed, mm-hmm. exposing their bones and muscles, kind of like um, how, like, kind of like if you cook a hot dog too long. Oh, yeah, and it kind of severs yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like that's, ooh. Yikes, that's horrible. Okay, so in fact, when store manager Therese Reese Price mm-hmm. of the yogurt shop showed up to the scene to identify their bodies, her words were, they had no faces. Mm. Like, ah, 
I can't even. So, um, Detective John Jones, which is a big name in this case, um, he was there at the scene that night and he had this to say, I can still see the inside of that place. That stuff's undeniably burned in my mind. He told 20, 48 hours in 2021. So very recently, um, he's like still massively affected by this. Yeah. Um, 20 years later. 30. Oh, 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Detective Jones had been retired for several years, or uh, he has been retired retired for several years, but says that this case is never far from his mind. He has a memorial plaque of the four girls and even had a coffee mug that reads, Never Forget. He has kept the same shirt he wore to the scene that night and has kept it safe telling the parents that when they see him wearing it, like I'm guessing like at a press conference or something, that it means he solved it. He has found who was responsible for their girls' deaths. He has come close, but still to this day, it's not closed, and he hasn't mm-hmm. had that chance to do that. Right. So, um, like earlier, I mentioned, I'm going to post on our Instagram um, the map to kind of show you. Um, and like the whole time, anytime I read about this case or think about this case, one of my really good friends in high school worked at a marble slab, mm-hmm. and it was in a shopping center, and it was like long. Yeah. Like that. And so, like, when you look at the layout, like, that's just how I imagine. Um, not that you guys know that, but I mean, I just, like, right. I can, like, kind of see it. Right. Um. So, all right. Sarah and Eliza's bodies were stacked on top of one another at the rear of the back room, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, where am I? Okay. Well, Jennifer's body, great movie lay close by amy's body was found in the middle of the back room alone amy's body was not burned as badly as the girls found at the rear of the back room and though she had been shot in the back of the head like the others the first shot missed her brain the second caused severe brain damage exiting through her cheek and jawline it's believed that all four of the girls had been stacked on top of one another and that amy had pulled herself from the stack and tried crawling away oh Right, so we'll get into that in a minute, too, because it's a lot of it's speculation. So possibly Amy was underneath Jennifer, and that is why her body wasn't on top of Sarah and Eliza, but just, like, lying close. Yeah. Um, I don't know if her trying to escape is when she received the second shot or if that had already happened prior to the body stacking, but I will get into that um, in another theory on what happened here in a minute. So, um Also, the amount of evidence that was washed away at the scene should be mentioned here. Not only that, but like all the soot and dust left behind from the fire covered any evidence of fingerprints. Um, The firefighters were only doing their job and I'm not by any means blaming them, um, but the fire had to be put out, but like viable evidence was lost Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, So, all right. Sorry, we're both really hungry. Is our food almost here? I don't know. Can you look on your app real yeah. quick? We'll keep going. I know. Well, because I'm about to get into the autopsy. And I'd oh, rather yeah. read it before we start eating. Yeah, it's coming. Okay. So, autopsies were performed on all four girls of the night. Uh, all four girls. But what is wild is that the autopsy reports have been sealed. Eric Mobius, and I don't know if that's how you say his name, but I'm going to talk about him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. He is the former assistant general of the state of Texas. He kind of performed his own investigation on the yogurt shop murders and discovered that the autopsy records on the girls were sealed and had never been made public. Autopsies are public record by law. Mm-hmm. Mobius even spoke with the coroner who, who performed the autopsies and 
even he was shocked to discover that his reports had never been released to the public. So you don't know? The oh, yeah, they are oh, now. Okay. So now Mobius's theory is that the reason the records were sealed was to cover up police involvement, or that's one of his mm-hmm. theories. Um, Mobius believes the murders were a result of criminal of a criminal scheme called insurance reserve fraud. But I'm going to get into that a little later because it's a lot, and I don't really understand some of it, but it's wild. Right. Okay. Details of the autopsy are grim, to say the least, but also necessary to understand at best what happened that night. Um, so from the official report, follows. Was that our food? Mm-hmm. It was? Yeah. Okay. We're going to pause it. We're back. Um, we had to eat. Sorry. We came directly from work, and... We're fed and read D to begin or start again. Okay. So So I was just getting into... um, They know because it's just going to play in sequence. So they haven't missed a beat. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I thought I had to burp. Okay. Sarah Harbison's... Okay. I do. Hang on. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. You are a sick bitch. It was like, what? Okay, Sarah Harbison's nude body was found gagged with her hands bound behind her back with a pair of underwear. Um, Her body was severely charred, and there was an abrasion in the upper portion of the vulva and the vagina. She had been shot through the back of the head. A twenty-two lead bullet was recovered from her brain. Jennifer Harbison's nude body was not bound, but her body was found with her hands behind her back. Her body was severely charred and she had been shot <clears throat> through the back of the head. A 22 lead bullet was recovered from her brain. I just want to mention here though, <clears throat> the Sarah and Jennifer, the sisters, they were their parents' only kids mm-hmm. and they, they lost both their kids that night. It's um, horrible. You wake up with two kids and then, yeah, and um, in the book, I I think they end up having more kids, but in the book, um, the mom, you know, the parents move, and um, and even in their new house, they have like a room for their daughters, and they have like two beds in there, and they have mm. like all their trophies and like just different things that yeah. were theirs, uh-huh. and said that their friends at the time of the book would still call to ask to like come over and like sleep over in their room. Oh, just to like to feel like feel like they're them. There. Yeah, and it reminds me because. You always FaceTime people, and I tagged you in that thing because you always FaceTime people, and like you'll FaceTime me when you're driving. I'm like, why are you FaceTiming me? You're not even looking. You're like, because it feels like you're like with the yeah, person. Yeah, for sure. So, but I like it made me think of that, and I was like, oh yeah. my god, That's sad. yeah, it's incredibly sad, but like sweet that yeah. you know that they did that. So, right. <clears throat> okay, Eliza Thomas's nude body was gagged and her hands bound behind her back with a bra. Um, well, it said brassiere, but. Mm-hmm. Um, her body was severely charred and she had been shot through the back of the head. What is that cackle? That crick, crack, is that the candle? Yeah. Oh. Um, a 22 lead bullet was recovered from her brain. What the <laughs> fuck is that, Cody? It's the fucking Skittles, bitch. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a candle. That's what you get for munching. Oh, I thought someone was catching on fire. Okay. No. Amy Ayer's body nude, was found with a sock-like cloth material wrapped around her neck with a half hitch in the back. Do you know what a half hitch is? Mm -mm. Okay, me either. 
Um, her body was not severely charred, but covered in second and very early third degree burns over 25 to 30% of its surface. Um, so she had been shot through the back of the head with the same 22 caliber gun used on the other girls, but the bullet did not enter the brain. However, a second gunshot of a different caliber, not specified in this report, caused severe damage to the brain. This bullet exited the right lateral cheek and jaw area. No mention is made in the report whether or not the second bullet was recovered from the crime scene, which is kind of spooky. Yeah. Especially since in a fire, you have so much stuff that's just like ash and destroyed. You uh -huh. think it would be easier to find. Yeah. Um, so this is where it gets sketchy. And Mobius, the guy that I mentioned earlier that like talks about the insurance stuff, mm -hmm. um, is the only person I have found with this theory. But he believes that the damage caused by the smaller caliber was consistent with that of a police issue 38 caliber pistol which I've also seen it confirmed as in other sources, like that it was that type of gun. Okay. Um, but this is his theory, which is very scary. Um, so three of the girls, the Harbison sisters and Thomas <clears throat> died upon being shot. However, the 22 bullet struck Ayers brain. <clears throat> it did not penetrate deeply enough to kill her, thus necessitating the attempt to strangle her which she had that around her neck, right? Yeah. So believing Ayers to be dead, the killers placed her body in a pile with the other bodies. The autopsy reports reveal an enorm enormously high BTU output from the accelerant, indicating that um, it was, was a lot. No, no, no. The probable use of gasoline to burn the bodies. So that, like, whatever that BTU is, mm -hmm. that's how they found out how the fire started. Um <clears throat> With the fire about to consume the shop, the killers then departed the scene. Ayers, however, was still not dead. Pulling her 110-pound frame out of the pile of bodies, which sounds so morbid, but those were her friends. Yeah. Um, she was 13, too. Yeah, tiny. Um, she managed to crawl away to another area of the blazing shop where it was discovered by firemen a full half hour after their arrival at the shop. Mobius contends that the discovery of her body still alive when firemen arrived necessitated a cleanup operation. Mm. Only a cop could have gotten in there, said Mobius. He theorizes that the firemen may have been ordered away from the scene to allow a police officer to shoot Ayers in the head with a thirty-eight revolver. I don't know the difference. I don't between... believe that. Okay, like revolver pistol. I know I called it a pistol earlier, but the gun's report could have explained away as a small explosion inside the still burning shop. So basically, Mobius thinks that once the fire was put out, that law enforcement basically put Amy out of her misery. Oh, okay. Okay. No. I... Right? Okay. It seems so far-fetched. Yeah, but that's something possible. that you would do to an animal, not to a human that you see still alive. But maybe. I don't know. No. Well... When I get into the insurance thing, mm -hmm. I think everyone has to be dead. Okay. okay. And then also, if she wasn't, she wouldn't be. Able, she would be able to say what happened. Okay. We'll get um, into it. I will in a second, bitch. So. <laughs> mm. Okay. So suspects and arrests. Um, nearly an entire year later, later in the fall of '92, uh, I put two mean, but I meant two men that were wanted for kidnapping and sexual assault in Austin were arrested in Mexico. Um, one of the men matched a police sketch of a man that a witness claims seeing outside the yogurt shop that night of the murders. Um, 
Once the men were interrogated by Austin investigators, the men both denied any involvement but confessed when Mexican authorities interrogated them. It turns out the details they gave didn't match any of the evidence, um, and then Austin authorities did reinterrogate them, but the men recanted their statements. So that's, I hate it because um, it gives people false hope, mm-hmm. first of all. And then it slows down the entire process of trying to figure out what actually happened. Well, they just want to pin it on somebody, too, and be done with it. True, but in this case, no. Yeah. So, so fast forward eight years after the murders in 1999, uh, four arrests were made in relation to the yogurt shop murders. Maurice Pierce, Forrest Welburn, Robert Springsteen, and Michael Scott (laughs) from The Office. Um, All four men were questioned after the murders in 1991, but there wasn't enough hard evidence linking them to the crimes to actually convict any of them. In 1998, Springsteen and Scott actually confessed to local police. Detective Jay Swan of the Austin Police Department states that both Scott and Springsteen provided details of the crime that were not public knowledge. And then Welburn and Pierce were initially charged at this time as well, but again, those charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. Scott's interrogation with Austin police took 20 hours over the course of four days. This is when Scott confessed to being part of the murders. Just days later, Springsteen also came forward and confessed. Both men would later state that their confessions were coerced, but they were finally arrested and convicted. During the trials, um, their confessions were actually used against each other, which sucks because five years later, both men's convictions were overturned, stating that their constitutional right to confront their accusers had been violated. Um, Springsteen and Scott walk free today, and Pierce, who Detective Swan also believes had something to do with the crimes, was shot and killed in 2010 after, quote, slashing a police officer during a traffic stop in Austin. Oh. He has some aggression. Slashing him, though, like, with With what? I guess. Well, yeah, that's what that means, with the knife. So, anyway, uh, here's, like, a little blurb on the DNA that was collected, um... Though DNA was a new thing in the early 90s, male DNA was obtained from a vaginal swab taken from Amy Ayers, the youngest of the four victims at 13 years old. The DNA was tested um, against more than 100 people without finding a match. The DNA collected only had 16 markers, which apparently isn't a lot to work with Mm -hmm. and doesn't contain much genetic um, material to to test. It was basically enough to eliminate suspects, but not enough to incriminate. In 2008, a new type of DNA testing called YSTR was used on the original sample taken at the crime scene. The results revealed that none of the four men that had previously been arrested were a match. So none of those guys matched that DNA. So then now that leaves someone else. Yeah. Um, All charges against Springsteen and Scott were dropped by the DA then um, since... Then the DNA has been tested as recently as 2020 with a continuing progression in DNA testing technology. Those original 16 markers have nine additional new markers, marking that, um, making that a total of 25, which basically means there's a more detailed version of this DNA sample now. Mm -hmm. Um, So even after this, scientists are still waiting for DNA testing to improve before conducting further testing because they only have this like small piece left that they can test. So... With that information, um, and despite, like, 
there's a like the large number of confessions from like the guys in Mexico and then Scott and Springsteen and then recanting. Um, also, they had like mentally ill people call in, people that were like fascinated with the case and wanted like notoriety. I hate when that happens. That makes no fucking sense to me. I yeah. So um, the case remains unsolved. So Detective Swan said that tips still come in, like maybe like one a month or so. Like there are periods of time where not like like no one calls, right. but and like even random. to this day, like they still get in tips. Um, but he ensures that this case is in the forefront of the cases that they actively work on. So some people still believe that the four original men that were arrested committed the murders and that there was a fifth man that has never been named or found who is the owner of the mystery DNA found on Amy Ayers. Yeah. Which I'm like, they, um, if I'm not mistaken, they were like, some of them were like in sports and things like that. Like they, they're still four teenage, like spunky girls. Like they could, I know it's like four men against them, but I mean, still, right. like the little thirteen-year-old could have like ran and off. Agile or something. And, yeah, exactly. Mm. And they knew like the two that worked there. Like, how? Who would think like these right. guys like would know like the back of the store and stuff? Right. Like they might have known an easier way to get out. I mean, I don't know. So, um, according to Beverly Lowry, Lowry, who who literally wrote the book on this. Um, she studied it for eight years to write the book. The book is called Who Killed These Girls? Um, the book I mentioned in the beginning. Um, you know, the one that I read twice? Well, no, I'm <coughs> laughing at the title of that book. I mean, she really sat down and really thought about what to name this book. Who Killed These Girls? I mean, that is about as simple as it gets. Who Killed These Girls? It should have been... I think it's like a quote from one of the... The yogurt's talks. melting. We need to figure this out. Okay. So... Anyway, that can be your version of it. Um, Who yo hurt these girls? Like, that's... <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Attorneys of both Springsteen and Scott generally, like, support her theory. And so does the first cop that was on the scene that night. So her theory is of two mystery people who entered the shop right before closing time. There were two specific pieces of evidence that support this theory. There was an unopened can of Coca-Cola and a cup of ice at a booth that had an an empty napkin holder. There's also a testimony that supports the evidence of two late night customers. So side note, I'd added this part in like in several places, but I well, how late did this place stay open until 11? Damn. Yeah. So, um, not the yogurt at night. Yeah. That's tooting and pooting in bed. I mean, you uh -uh, know, that's for a daytime thing. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> tooting's way better during the day. So, <laughs> anyway, I can tell you're getting bored. But no. when the girls were found, it was confirmed that there were various uh, flammable items placed on and around their bodies that were then doused oh. in lighter fluid than lit on fire. And one of those items was napkins. Well, they probably didn't. They probably need to ignite the fire. Like the fire was going out, and they needed yeah, to ignite it. But like the point oh, the is, napkins were missing from the table, and they're all yes. yeah. So, now in this version of the story, the witnesses that testified that there were indeed two late night customers got their yogurt sundaes and left the shop. So, the people that okay. saw the two people, they were like, yeah, we saw them there. Then we like got our yogurts and we left. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they left, the two mystery customer, customers remained at their booth and Jennifer locked the front door behind them and turned off the open sign. This was apparently not out of the ordinary if customers were still in the shop finishing their yogurt. 
protocol for the workers at ICBY was to lock the front doors. They could lock it like 10 minutes prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they could turn off the open sign at that time. So okay. that was totally normal. They weren't supposed to kick out any lingering customers, but um, they would, you know, and I've worked retail, like you lock the door and then when they're done, you're done. You can no, like you can like open, like, let them out and yeah, then lock and then it back. Close it back. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they were supposed to begin their cleaning routine. And then, like I said, once they were ready, they would unlock it and let them leave. So Lowry suggests that one of the men, because I'm referring to these mystery customers as men, mm-hmm. and she does too. So um, that they ordered a Coke while Eliza was at the register. That's her theory. Because the refrigerator that kept the sodas was underneath the counter where the register sat. So she had to bend down to get the Coke. And then when she stood up, perhaps one of the guys was standing there with a gun pointing at her. Right. And this is very plausible. So um, it should be noted that the front doors were locked when the firefighters arrived. Oh, okay. So. Mm. Oh, okay. So that means someone was locked in with them, right? Yeah. Well, they did that. The two people that left said, like, after we left, they did, they knew, because, like, they knew they were taking theirs to go, but these guys were, like, sitting down and, like, drinking their soda. And so um, they were, like, you know, we're leaving. They probably came at that time knowing that they're about to close. There's not going to be that many people in there. And it was so simple for them to just buy a Coke. They probably didn't want yogurt. They were like, we'll just buy this Coke and buy our time in here. You know, it's yeah. simple. And like maybe they were like getting all the napkins. Like, yeah. I don't know. So um, witnesses described the mystery men as one has lighter hair, maybe like a dirty blonde and is about five foot six and is late 20s, early 30s. The others is described as a bigger man. Both were wearing bigger coats. One had a green coat, army fatigue kind of looking jacket. The other had a black jacket. Neither of these men has have been identified to this day. Given the small amount of money taken, it was like $550 or $540, something like that. Um, it's question if robbery was the actual motive. Um, with the extreme level of violence and sexual violence at that, it is hard to imagine that these murders were merely the result of a robbery gone bad. No, not at a not at a yogurt shop. <laughs> no. So that's why I'm gonna read the little insurance thing last. Okay. Um, most likely the Is that this? No, no, no. Oh. This is on. This is almost done with like um, oh, okay. Beverly's little theory here. Okay. So most likely the crimes were sexually motivated, and the people involved um, just like grabbed the money as an afterthought. Like, right. oh, why, leave it? why leave it here? Yeah. yeah. Um, could one of the girls have known one of the men? Could Sarah and Amy have been followed from the mall mm-hmm. to the yogurt shop? Because remember they walked there. Yeah. Um, Regardless of it, the four who have been previously arrested for these murders actually have any, like, if they have something to do with it, okay. But, like, the answer lies within that DNA that they collected. Mm. And then linking the two witnesses, the two men mm-hmm. that were, like, the mystery men that witnesses saw. Right. So that's, like, the key part that they need right there, right? Right. So, um, anyway, so now I remember earlier when I mentioned... The insurance part. The insurance part. So this part, you do insurance, I don't, and it's mm-hmm. really confusing to me. Um, but I will say, so Mr. Mobius, Eric Mobius, the guy that had been like an attorney general or whatever yeah. for Texas, when he started making these allegations, the State Bar of Texas reportedly tried to disbar him 12 different times. Oh, shit. In relation well, to Well, they this. were threatened. Yeah. Um. So... It's, I mean, he has been fined $175,000 
nine times more than any other attorney he can find. Like, it's wild. That's insane. Um, so um, various elements of the Texas government have repeatedly tried to arrest Mr. Mobius, and he is in fear for his life, especially if he is jailed. Well, it sounds like they are, like, trying to cover for somebody that maybe they knew. So that's why the he... The cop. That's... Exactly. That's why... So reserve fraud... Um, I don't even really know what it is, but it... Um, this is what this piece of information is. It's from mailarchive.com, and it's kind of explaining how Mobius kind of brought this into mm-hmm. this story. Um, so reserve fraud first came to my attention, and that of the League of the United Latin America Citizen, blah, blah, blah. Through the case, blah, blah, blah. Hang on. Bitch, that's the wrong thing. Get it together. I know, but I don't. So, like, basically what it means is, like, because the kind of insurance you have on this business, Mm -hmm. because it's not just, like, a standalone building. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so, like, the arson, Mm -hmm. and then you have these lives, too, that were taken, and they were all underage. Mm -hmm. So they can basically, like fuck the system to where they get paid for just like if someone commits arson for like there's like someone did it over here in Pearland. Yeah. But, oh, I just triangulated where I was. So oh. ain't well, coming here. someone did it for like <laughs> some like O'Reilly or auto part place uh-huh. like a few years back, but they caught him. Yeah. And so with this, it's just a lot more complicated. Bitch, I don't know how to explain it, but... No, that's fine. No, I know what you're saying. Basically, all, everything has to fall in line for them to get what they want out of it, right? Everything. Yes. Yeah. But it, like, people have to, like, die in it, too. Right. Oh, I don't know about that. I do medical insurance. No, yeah. It, it like, it says reserve fraud depends on several elements. So, like, unlike... So, basically, they checked off some boxes, but they were like, we don't have these boxes checked off, so let's make it happen. Like, with the girl being shot... So, like, um, eh, I don't know, bitch. It's a lot, and I don't really want to put it in my story. Well, that's fine. Okay, so, like, Mr. Mobius alleges that coalition of lawyers, judges, and mutual insurance company executives have devised a scheme to exhort enormous sums of money from the insurance company reserve fund. So, like, catastro- it would be, like, causing catastrophic accidents often involving the deaths of children, Mm -hmm. separating the plaintiffs from their legitimate claim against the mutual insurance company, secret processing the claim and dividing the proceeds among the conspirators without paying one dime to the legitimate plaintiff. So it's like a genius thing. Right. Whatever. You know what? I'm going to link this and you bitches can read it if you want to, because it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I know that's terrible. No, but but I get it. um, So that was like, that's, I mean, it's a super involved and that's his theory on it. But um, I'll just close with this. So the memorials, um, the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt eventually became a nail salon and a plaque, which is still there today, was placed under the oak tree that's facing the um, where the shop had been. It's mm-hmm. in the um, parking lot. It has a picture of the four girls or has their names, all the four girls. And um, June 6 was dubbed We Will Not Forget Day by Governor Ann Richards. And that was six months after the crime. Mm-hmm. Ann Richards, love her. Um, anyway, so, I mean, people are still, it's very much still. Being talked about, which yes. is important. Yeah. So, um, anyway, if you have information on it, 512-472-TIPS, which is 8477. Uh, sources were CBS News, Who Killed These Girls, The True Crime Files, 
an article written by Jordan Smith for the Austin Chronicle and New York Post, and then that mail archive thing that was really long that I didn't really yeah. research and yeah, you can right leave now. that one out because I don't <laughs> I don't know if you need to source something that you didn't really uh, act out on. Uh, everything <laughs> I just read were in quotation marks from them because I. No, I'm talking about the insurance thing only. But that was good. Um, well, you kind of just confirmed with me why I don't eat yogurt. <laughs> oh, really? So this just makes me not want to do it anymore. Oh, well. That was good, though. I like it. I mean, I don't like it. That's It's kind of creepy that it happened so close to here. Yeah, Austin. it's just like, I think, too. I've never heard it. No, well, I mean, anything that I was reading, and it's also mentioned in the book, like, the law enforcement, that what was so memorable is like that their bodies were stacked. Like yeah. it was just something that they had never seen before. And I guess to us, it's like, we talk about this stuff. Like, I don't know what it looks like. So I'm just like, all right, yeah, too bad, like whatever. But they were like, the way they described it, it was just like haunting. That yeah. it was something that they've never seen before. And to this day, souls have never seen. Cause no. they were like melted into yeah, one another. Like a big pancake. Ugh. It's just awful. That's horrible. And they're just, young innocent girls that were like going out to like have a like innocent little sleepover and like talk about boys and like you know what i mean yeah mm. and people anyway. go to yogurt shops like it's like such a little like innocent place to go you know like people yeah. just go there with their families or their kids just to mm-hmm. enjoy some yogurt and who would have thought like a vile gnarly scene like that would yeah. happen there so. so, but I mean, it was known like that they had these young girls that worked there yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So that's why, I don't know, for me, I think it's more something because it is, it's like, how do they not have this solved yet? It's something, I someone's think it's, hiding something, I, someone's protecting somebody. I think that it's something like the Eric Mobius guy and is we like see, onto something. And we see that a lot in cases too. If you know somebody in um, like the police system or something, you know, they'll protect you the best that they can. To hide evidence, alter evidence, do whatever. Well, bitch, I would turn you in. Well, I wouldn't do that because I don't eat yogurt. So, but um, at B- uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, that might be my scene. Oh my god, <laughs> one of those damn chicken wings. Okay, so rate, review, subscribe. Don't have anyone listen to this episode first because I mean, shut up, bitch. Have confidence. It's great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye.